Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, math isn't that hard, but why do we have so much trouble with it in school? Well, those, uh, you know, those whose job it is, well, I guess here's the question. Whose job is it to make math easier for our kids? Do the kids need to try harder? Do the teachers need to teach it differently? Or is that up to the parents to help kids out? Today we're talking about it. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. The Supreme Court struck down an Arizona voter registration law today, ruling the state cannot require people to provide proof of citizenship before being allowed to vote. Critics of the law say it would have discouraged Native Americans and Latinos from voting. FBI agents rushed to the Newark, New Jersey airport today to apprehend a man claiming poison was on board the plane he was on from Hong Kong. The man was taken into custody and transported to an area hospital. The plane was cleared and no poison was found. Federal federal authorities also accused owners and managers of 14 7-Eleven convenience stores of hiring and victimizing dozens of undocumented workers who were forced to live in substandard conditions and take on stolen identities. A former associate of James Whitey Bulger told jurors about past drive-by killings at Bulger's murder and racketeering case today. The associate also says he's only testifying because he learned his former companions began to cooperate with law enforcement. NSA leaker Edward Snowden's location is still a mystery, so much so that he felt comfortable answering questions online through a forum set up by Britain's Guardian newspaper. Snowden says he was compelled to act by what he called a litany of lies from the U.S. government. In world news, President Obama and Russian leader Vladimir Putin faced off about the Syrian conflict today as the G8 summit begins in Northern Ireland. So far, divisions on the topic have been the main focus of the summit, eclipsing other agenda items. Iranian President-elect Hassan Rouhani held out hope today of better relationships between his country and the U.S. and the world. The moderate cleric also noted he wants to work towards resolving the nation's nuclear disputes. In Turkey, the deputy prime minister warned today armed forces could be called up to help end growing protests which have swept through the nation's cities. This is the first time possible military action has been mentioned as a response to the protests. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Love it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little new music for me. Hey, this is good music. Who is this? This is the Backstreet Boys. Tell me more about them. I hardly know anything about them, even they're though they're this from new my group generation. That they just came out. A new group. Yeah. Are they last a hot year, new upcoming hot group? Hot new upcoming. That is fun. You guys are living on the edge. Is this because Rob's out of town? I don't know if we call Backstreet Boys the edge. Well, it really. is the edge at BYU Radio. <laughs> you know, it's because Rob's out of town, because this never would have gone if Rob had been here. Exactly. Maybe. That's why we did it today. Rob's the executive producer and... No, I'm I'm the executive <laughs> well, producer. Sorry. <laughs> right now, Rob is actually driving somewhere in California with his windows down, sunglasses on, listening to that song. So. <laughs> yeah, but he's got the A-track for that one. Um, welcome to the show, everybody. This is the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. I have been away on vacation. And uh, I'm sporting an incredible new tan, quite leathery, and uh, which I don't know if that's good. 
And we got a good gang. You guys have been working hard since I've been gone. We have had a lot of changes to deal with. Tell me about them. Uh, well, I had to take over as executive producer. My, is that good? Um, well. Did you have any rants? Yeah, four of them. <laughs> really? Were they on and the that air? Was, that was just one show. That, that was, was one show on the one. air. This is fun. You guys have been all over it. We've had to step up our game. It's, but now that people are back, we can step down our game, and now, like, we are so happy to. Well, no, 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 no. We, we could keep our game up. Oh, I mean, we could, but, like, we, we could. That would require effort. Bryce, you're the EP. <laughs> Pick up your game. Keep it up. Okay. Hey, um, by the way, so I'm back, and I find out today's topic is what? Mathematics. Okay. Seriously. How did this happen? Because I hate math. I hate it with all the fibers of my body. I don't like math. Well, I, I scheduled a guest, Matt, and I thought it would be good for you. Are thought you, you might to... need a change or two in a little bit. I don't like math. It's, I don't like it. It's because I'm not good at it. Well, I was getting worried about you when you couldn't count the marshmallows. Oh, yeah. Well, it's hard. Things like that. But see, it's, here's why. Okay, this is a true story. Um, it's Townsend's don't do math. When I was a little kid, I, we used to line up uh, what grade would I have been in fifth grade? What grade do you do times tables? Fourth grade, third grade. And I don't remember. I don't do math. And, um, I don't remember anything with a number. And the teacher used to line us up. I think she's passed, so I won't say her name. Uh, but she used to say, okay, everybody line up, and we do times tables. And I was really good at times tables. I just couldn't get it to my mouth. Like I couldn't get the words out fast enough to say 42, okay? So she'd line us up, and she said, um, okay, and she'd flip the card up. And then some smart brainiac, you know the ones, the, the like the the, the smart ones. Those fast talkers. Fast talker math people, like with the big head that pulsates. Have you seen that guy? I don't know. Yeah. You're looking like, you're acting like you've never seen that guy. I No. Well, he was in my school. If you if you can see your brain pulsating. It was, it was you, pulsating. Is that guy like a Superman villain? What? Uh-huh. He was okay. a Superman villain eventually. Yeah. He's, he's like Dr. Evil, whoever that is. But, um, and that brainiac with the fast mouth would always get it right, and I would never get it. And then the lady would say, with the card, like she's just like cleaning you know, crumbs off the table. She'd flip the card and say, okay, losers go that way. Winners stay on. <laughs> okay. You can guess which side you went to. And I was always on the loser side. And um, right then I equated loser to math. I, I didn't realize I was the loser. <laughs> but I was always the one that was sitting out. And I hated math from that day forward. And then I realized Townsend's don't do math. We don't do math. Math is for crazy pulsating brainiacs. But then apparently it is because they keep trying to get us to learn it. And I'm sick of it. So apparently Merritt thought we needed to teach me this, which I think is rude. Do you have anything to say? I'm always looking out for you. Have you not read my book? I have a well, chapter that says Townsend's don't do math. Really? It's not a chapter. It's a section heading. Ah. And you haven't read it. Your homework assignment, read my book. Read your book. I, I'd need one. But I'm excited for our guest because I'm hoping 
Dr. Damon Barr can help us learn to like math. So if you have a child out there that maybe doesn't like math, you know, don't make him be a radio personality. Give the guy some hope. Give him a life and don't call him a loser. I'm coming back to this. I didn't think I'd get emotional. I'm actually not emotional. I had the best trip of my life, by the way. Uh, a tan. Okay. Just on my hands and my face. Um, we did some body surfing. Do you wear a turtleneck when you're on the I, beach? I wore a cowl neck. And a, I don't know what that is. But I wore a, t- a kind of a turtleneck. And I like a blazer when I'm on the beach. <laughs> it makes – it's itchy. But I like it. Um, no, we did every – you name it. We went to L.A. area, Newport Beach, Balboa. Okay. Boom. I did everything. You name it, did it. Disneyland? No. <laughs> no. Off to I, a great start. I didn't do Disney because we had done Disney the year before. We did Knott's Berry Farm. Holy cow. I had a lot of explaining to do. Knott's Berry, great place. Loved it. Tons of fun. Seriously, tons of fun. I was totally nauseous. It's all roller coaster. Yeah, isn't it the one that has like huge, yeah. huge roller coasters yeah. everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, bad. I got sick on the first one. And then my son and I got relegated, the youngest son, we got relegated to just go on our own. We were the lepers of of the family group. So we were the leper non-riders. So we went and did all the little kid rides, which made me more sick. Okay, do you want to know the number one ride that made me so ill? Because you won't believe it. I didn't believe it. Uh, It's kind of like, you know the teacups at Disney? Just the teacups. These, these were Mexican hats. Sombreros. sombreros. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're sombreros. <laughs> but I think they called it the Mexican Fiesta ride or something. Not Mexican Fiesta. It was something Fiesta. And uh, sick as a dog. Now, was it like – Mexican the, food, by the way, my favorite food. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, was it like sick, the feeling you get after eating Taco Bell or was it sick? It's a lot like Taco Bell if you then were in a – a, a car that rolled over a thousand times. <laughs> it's a lot like that. Were these sombreros that you could spin yourself? Yes. Okay, because I've, that's what the teacups are like. Uh huh. And two of my kids were spinning. Yeah. And I was trying to do one of those ballet moves where you just fixate on a spot and you just focus on that one spot. It wasn't working. That's I never took dance. Yeah, I was say your ballet training didn't yeah. kick in. <laughs> my, I thought my dance ballet training would kick in. Didn't even kick in. But my stomach sure did, and my inner ear did. And it's like, get out of here. You're about to lose it on the Mexican Fiesta ride or whatever they called it. it was, it's a great place if you like roller coasters. Personally, I hate their guts. To me, roller coaster equates to math. It's on, it's on the same level of dislike, yeah. of disdain. Uh-huh. And I don't, use, I don't hate anything. I like everything and everybody except roller coasters and sweaty people in front of me in a line for a roller coaster. Matt like gives you that same nauseous. Yeah. What's the deal with people like getting in line? Like, oh, hey, hey, friend. And then they get in line in front of you. Like, because they have a friend, you owe them something. Cutting? So, yeah. So many times I've went, like, people will say, oh, hey, can I get through so I can be with my friend? I, I never really cared enough. But my first thought was, I don't think you have any friends ahead of me no. at all. <laughs> prove, prove your friend. Prove right. I don't think you have any friends Bring your friend at back all. here. I've got and some after questions. I'm done with you, you won't need friends. <laughs> I've got questions for your friends. Right. Uh, where'd you guys first meet? Hmm? Uh, how long have you guys been friends? Just some quotes. standard questions. You know, Can you prove to me on Facebook that, that you are friends first times. on your phone? It's like there's an etiquette to, to being at a park. Okay. A. Oh. Oh. 
I waited for an hour for my kids to get and my wife to get off of a roller coaster because somebody got ill right right on the same ride as my wife. And they just kept him on the ride for like 40 minutes. And I waited and waited and waited. By the way, those people from Utah. <laughs> making you look bad. Making me look bad. Of all the people that could have gotten ill on the ride, had to be Utahns. I live in Utah. I'm smart enough to not get on a ride when my stomach's saying, hey, don't get on the ride. You're probably going to get sick. Last year I was at Magic Mountain in California and they have this like Green Lantern ride that was new. And yeah. so the line, because it's a new ride, was really, really long to get onto it. And we were in line for like two hours. And we get to the part where the car in front of us got f- filled up or whatever and we're at the little barrier. That's yeah. like we were like literally the next group and the ride broke. My Did whole time on the it? ride. What they say? Did we, they say, hey, can we t- let's take care of you. Nope. Let's take care. Sorry, it's broken. It's going to take a while to fix. We were like, nope, not. We've been in line for an hour and forty-five minutes. We're not staying here. (sighs) I'm telling you, that's. But by the way, Knott's Berry Farm, the best. If you like roller coasters, seriously, it's the place to go. There, it was never ending. I just, I waited in more lines, and just actually, I didn't wait. I just watched my kids wait. And then I took my little one on. Did they have like the little TVs playing the videos when you wait? No, I always like those. No, you, you just see kind them? Of, they got those weaving serpentine kind yeah. of waiting lines where you just kind of look at each other. You know that one where you're like, yeah, yeah. Like, are you sweaty and hating this line yeah. too? Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. I, was like, I was like, hey, nice tats. See you on the next serpentine. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen more, as many tats in my life. But it's cool. I was like, I, I wouldn't get that. Some one. of the amusement parks have like a t, you know, little TVs yeah, every no. so often that play like a video. But then you're in the line so long that you've seen the video yeah, like yeah, twelve times, yeah. to thirteen times no, by the time was, you get through. I think what's cool about Knott's Berry is they just let you be entertained by the people. <laughs> the people that are in line, they just entertain you. Them, they just they're just fun to watch. It's a very democratic uh-huh. system yeah. of entertainment. It's a very and you know it's got to be a lot cheaper than putting monitors everywhere. <laughs> Anyway, uh, loved it, did that, did a lot of body surfing, more surfing than body. And, um, uh, oh, by the way, Newport, we were at Newport, Balboa kind of area, the Newport Beach, uh, well, about the Balboa Peninsula. And they need more sand on their beaches because um, I'm they're, pretty sure I brought half of it home. They're, they're running low. <laughs> they're running low because the, the, what they do is you, you ride these waves, but it kind of, it doesn't like give you a long run of water to run in. You eventually just run it right up into the beach. So I would ride the I would ride the wave right into the beach, up to the parking lot, <laughs> and pick up sand the whole way. And that seems that sounds convenient though. It was very convenient, yeah. and you don't even need sunburn because you get sandburn, which hurts just as bad. So if you get a sandburn, you don't like you're done. Sunburn's not an issue. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had to sit out. Can't few. get both. No. Let me ask you this question: Are you like a big beach person? Because no. I'm the kind of person who I think if you've seen one beach, you've kind of seen them yeah. all. Right? I love a beach. I, I don't like sand and I don't like the sun and I can't stand water. So, so you're not a beach person. But I I'm love getting. a beach. <laughs> Is that weird? A little. Like all, each one of those yeah. elements on their own, horrible, yeah. all together. Do you know what my wife did that made me so happy? She bought an umbrella, a beach umbrella that I could just sit under. And I did. First thing I'd put up every time we got there. My kids would, let's go to the water. I'm like, Dad's put up the umbrella. Dad's got to put his little safe space. And um, I I don't know. I'm not as – I don't like the water. And you know what else is weird with the water there? Salty. <laughs> Something's wrong. It's salty water. Yeah, what is that? And you don't think about that till the first time you're in it. And then you're like, Egh. 
That's gross. Like, oh, that looks so appealing. And then yeah. you get in and you get one little mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Every one of my kids just went and jumped right in and then they all got up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, boys? That's salty, Dad. Yep. Welcome to the ocean, kids. We also, didn't want to tell you this All early. kinds of creatures in there. Jellyfish. Oh, yeah. My kids saw a shark. Sharks. But Wait, then they really? found out it was a dolphin. <laughs> they're like, Dad, we saw sharks. And um, In my opinion, they're both terrifying. <laughs> they both there's nothing worse than a rogue dolphin. <laughs> you don't want to mess with a dolphin. So we had a great trip. We went to, uh, speaking of Robbie, Colonel Robbie Sanders, um, his favorite date spot, the observatory, the Griffiths Observatory in Los Angeles. Was we it romantic? I, you know, when you're with your family, you're not thinking romance. No. <laughs> but I, I could see how it could be perceived as romantic. Minus 10 million people. <laughs> Because we were there at night and it was packed. And anyway, got in a little altercation with someone in a parking lot over a parking space. Because I thought it was a freebie and I just went in and took it. But apparently, there's a law and a rule that you're in line. Seize the day. All right? Seize the spot. They didn't, my friend. Matt Carpe did. spate. Uh-huh. It's my favorite quote. Uh, so we did that. What else did we do? We, uh, Madame Tussaud's Wax Museum. Were you, are you in there? Uh, I'm not. And it was weird. I'm going to post those. So if anybody wants to see those, I'll post those on my, I guess, my at matttownsend.com. I don't know where else to post all those pictures because I'm not going to post them on Facebook because that'll ruin it. Because uh, <laughs> it was, I don't know. I think those are Matt, weird. I think your vacation pictures, of all the vacation pictures that people may or may not be all that interested in that always get posted to Facebook, I think you're hardly the problem. <laughs> you think? <laughs> That's probably true. I'm at the cutting. I'm on the hot edge of uh, Facebook photos from vacations. It was great getting to know everyone's dads yesterday, though, on Facebook. Did you notice yeah. how everyone posted a picture yeah. of their dad? The yeah. obligatory dad picture. I feel like I know all 600 of my Facebook friends' yeah. dads now. So You're like, did you have dad envy? No. Gosh, I wish my dad. <laughs> no, I've got one of my own. <laughs> I, got, I, got one, I got one dad to take care of. Did you him. put your dad's picture up there and say, oh, my dad was the best? No. I mean, he is the best, but I don't. He is the best, but, but you I'm know not... it. He knows it. The world doesn't need to know it. Statistically speaking, it's pretty hard for any one of my Facebook friends' dads to actually be really the best dad in the world. You know, like, there's yeah. like six billion people on this world. They all have a dad. So the odds of the 600 people I know on Facebook, see, one of those dads being the best okay. one, it's statistically see, pretty hard to do. Did you see what you just did, Ben? Math. You just used math. You ruined, you ruined the conversation by throwing out a statistic. <sighs> We're talking math today. On my day back. I mean, we could talk about anything. But they chose math because they know I don't like it. So when we come back, we're going to let Bryce do a rant on it. And we, I can hardly wait to talk to Dr. Damon Barr because he's going to show me there's a practical side to math, folks. When your kids are out of school, don't let all the math seep out of their head. Let's figure out a way to keep the math in their head this summer. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back talking math and how to make it... Uh, I guess doable and practical for the rest of us. We'll be back right here on Sirius XM 143. This is BYU Radio. A test mission that could change the way we explore other worlds is scheduled to take flight this month. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. When NASA sends spacecraft to other planets that have an atmosphere, they use that atmosphere to slow the space vehicle down. 
usually with a rigid entry vehicle that protects the craft from pressure and heat created by atmospheric drag. But the size of a rigid entry vehicle is limited by the diameter of the launch vehicle. An inflatable entry vehicle could pave the way for NASA to deliver larger and heavier science equipment for exploration. A demonstration flight of the latest hypersonic inflatable aerodynamic decelerator, or HIAD, technology is scheduled to launch this month from NASA's Wallops Flight Facility on Virginia's eastern shore. The suborbital rocket flight, known as IRV-3, will re-enter through Earth's atmosphere to demonstrate that a HIAD can take the heat of real-world flight conditions. It's the next step to proving that this technology could be ideal for a number of proposed NASA missions from Mars to Venus, even some moons of other planets. HIAD technology could also be applied to payloads returning to Earth from the International Space Station or other destinations. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Eric Dowdle is a renowned artist who paints pictures about unique cultures and locales every weeknight on BYU Radio. On Traveling with Eric Dowdle, you'll discover hidden gems through the eyes of locals, including the kinds of things you just can't miss. Listen to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. Find it on Sirius XM Channel 143. BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, kids, to the Matt Townsend Show. So good to be back. You know, it's fun to go on a vacation and all, but to come back and see your shiny faces, it'd be great if they were shiny. They're just shiny because they're oily. Yeah, so. say, are, are we, you are shine we teenagers with today? oily, pimply faces? What? You need to shine your greasy faces, you crazy people. Hey, uh, today we're talking math. Now, we're not just we're going to talk about how to make math practical. Because your kids have all been going through it. Some of you are just mathematicians. Can't stand you. And some of you just are like me where you prefer the right brain and you're, you, you, you don't like the rules. There's too many rules in math. Skyboy, which are you? You're a math guy. I know you are. What's my you? <laughs> What'd you yeah, say? Yeah, what's your you? That's what you said. No, which, which are you? Oh, which am I? Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed math and in school yeah because i don't like english i don't like history i don't like test questions where it's what are your feelings about this and there's a hundred different ways it could go there's a hundred different answers every teacher's looking for a different one i like math where it's one answer and there's one way to do it okay and when (laughs) good to have you on the show though (laughs) which is i mean our show is pretty much a lot about feelings and Every answer is good, except the bad ones. I don't, I don't like. Do you like answers. to know? The I rule. don't like essay questions. I don't like short answers. You just want a number. I just want seven. a number, just seven. That's the answer. There's no other answer. Okay. My bachelor's degree is in British literature, so <laughs> yeah, you don't like math either, do you? Ben? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Merritt, do you like math? Come on. I don't really. I value math for when it is useful to me like when I'm baking and I have to like figure out I value math then how much three minutes three fourths of a cup oh yeah twice is that's if I don't just use the three fourths of a cup twice but yeah if you remember (laughs) 
Yeah, math's important there. When you're baking, I mean, I get math for baking because that's practical. Yeah, but but again, I, I'm studying film. Yeah, doesn't involve a lot of. But math. you need to know how much film fits in your camera. That's going to be yeah. a math equation. That's like addition and subtraction. That's about the level yeah. I, I'm good with. That's Everything shoots digitally now. You don't need to know about it's how more, much films in your camera. It's more how many gigs yeah. do I have. Yeah, but you need to know how many gigs, how many megabytes are in a gig. Okay. 1,024. 1, yep. There you go. Okay. Um, you guys are useless <laughs> on this topic. Okay, so let's do this. Uh, Bryce has a, a, some feelings about math that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. In eighth grade, my buddies and I had a plan to pull a prank. The plan was to launch projectiles, and we knew we had to do it in an indoor space. Utilizing boredom and discarded building materials, we were designing some machine of mischief, and we were testing it on a baseball field. You know, for science. Now, my buddies had more technical expertise in this matter. This was eighth grade. We were the middle school equivalent of seniors, so we could take all these classes the sixth and seventh graders could only dream of. One class they took was industrial technology. It was like a mix between an art class and shop class. And it was a very practical decision to take that class. Except I never did, because I'm not good at making prudent decisions that'll enhance my future capabilities. But I did elect to take a high school algebra class. You know, so that I could get a head start on my future in psychology? Anyway, the point is, my friends knew how to build things, and I knew math. So we get to the baseball field and we start launching things. This goes on for a while. At some point, we decide to stop goofing around and get down to business. We quickly realized that we needed to fine-tune this thing so that we could get the distance we needed, but we had a height limitation working against us. After several tests that we knew would never work in the real situation, we all stood there and kind of said, man, if only there was a way that we could use what limited information we have to figure out the rest of the information we need because we already know the results that we want. And then I knew this was my time to shine. I'd been preparing for this moment my entire life. I mean, come on, this was the essence of algebra. You have the equation 1 plus x equals 3. You have some of the ingredients and you know what the result should be. Subtract what you have from the result and then you have your missing information. Well, as it happens, a baseball field was probably the best place we could have chosen to test this out. One of our guys was a baseball player and he knew all the distances from the bases. From home to first it was 90 feet, from home to second it was 127 feet, and then the back fence had distance markers somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 feet. As long as we shot from home plate, we could use Pythagorean's theorem to figure out our distances. Height was another issue, but all we had to do was take our imaginary triangle on the ground and flip it up into the air and we could get a reliable estimate on our distances. It was a wonderful moment for us kids to use our own brain to solve a complex problem without needing an adult. But you know what? That was the last time I used any math beyond addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division for anything practical. Math beyond 8th grade algebra has a purpose, but it's very specialized for specific fields that you're going to get paid for, and I don't really see how it can just be used in real life. And this is a little disappointing, because beyond 8th grade is when math really matters, hence the paychecks I mentioned earlier. Regardless, math saved the day. Without it, we would never have been able to launch eggs over the bleachers onto the football team practicing in the indoor gym, who were always ruining our kickball time. Served cold, hot, or eggy, revenge is a delicious dish. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. You're a rebel. You used your math for ill. Uh, no. Not for good. It was re- revenge. But it, revenge goes both ways. Like, there's good and bad revenge. Well, you, but so you, you made math revenge. I didn't think there was any kind of revenge there, but... Look, they were ruining kickball time. That was a precious time in eighth grade. Do not mess with kickball. The football team's coming in, so we need to take away this half of the gym. 
we that we did not sit lightly on that. No. So that's so you thought, hey guys, let's pull our math out. Exactly. That's let's, pretty neat. Let's use science. We're going to ask Dr. Barr if he approves of that, you know, immoral use of math. Um, practical, immoral. Highly practical, but immoral. I think if you're going to learn math, if you're going to go that far up the tree and out on the limb, you need to use it to change the world. Oh, it was a different world after that. <laughs> it was an eggy world. So you all kind of don't like math. Except for Skyboy. Say no more. <sighs> okay, well, I think by the end of this, when Dr. Damon Barr comes back after the break, we're going to all love my math. We're going to be different. I hope. We're going to be better. Because I don't like it. Me no like. That's why I chose English. Um, me no like. Coming back, folks, with math and making math a healthier choice, a more, what's the word, I guess, practical approach to math with Dr. Damon Barr right here on BYU Radio and the Matt Townsend Show. Through the Garage Door is BYU Radio's look into rock and roll, where we play songs and the music we're passionate about. We need... The reason we listen to music is what it makes us feel. I mean, sure, it's, it's fun when music makes us think, but what, it, what we're really going for is what it makes us feel. Through the Garage Door airs on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern, only here on BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Arizona's voter registration law was struck down today by the Supreme Court, which ruled the state cannot require people to provide proof of citizenship before being allowed to vote. Opponents to the law claimed it would have discouraged minorities from voting. A potentially dramatic landing ended with little incident at the Newark, New Jersey airport today after a passenger on a flight inbound from Hong Kong claimed there was poison on board. FBI officials arrested the man when the plane landed and no poison was found on the aircraft. Investigators are digging up a field in Michigan in search of the remains of Jimmy Hoffa, a former Teamster boss who has been missing since 1975. Hoffa is believed to have been murdered by members of an organized crime ring. NSA leaker Edward Snowden's location is still a mystery, so much so that he felt comfortable answering questions online through a forum set up by Britain's Guardian newspaper. Snowden says he was compelled to act by what he called a litany of lies from the U.S. government. In world news, President Obama and Russian leader Vladimir Putin faced off about the Syrian conflict today as the G8 summit begins in Northern Ireland. So far, divisions on the topic have been the main focus of the summit, eclipsing other agenda items. Iranian president-elect Hassan Rouhani held out hope today for better relations between his country, the U.S., and the rest of the world. The moderate cleric also noted he wants to work towards resolving the nation's nuclear disputes. In Turkey, the deputy prime minister warned today armed forces could be called up to help end growing protests which have swept through the nation's cities. This is the first time possible military action has been mentioned as a response to the continuing protests. That's the news to have past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Back from vacation, 
2,000 miles we drove as a family unit. Uh, tons of fun. And uh, it's good to be back, though. And back to a really interesting topic for me, actually. Uh, Dr. Damon Barr uh, works uh, is a professor here at uh, Brigham Young University. And he is trying to find a way to help us keep math a little bit more practical and, and to make sure that we as parents as kids, as uh, teachers, that we know what we're doing with it. So what he did is he spent 18 years as an elementary teacher, 16 years as a university professor. His current position is associate professor of mathematics and edu- mathematics education in the Department of Teacher Education. He's authored and co-authored 19 articles and two books, married 36 years, four children, nine ga- grandchildren, and enjoys golf, family time, and movies. Dr. Barr, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Good to have you here. Now, okay, this is coming from a guy that has never had a great positive experience with math. So help me understand, as a as a third grader, whatever, I don't even know what grade it was when I learned times tables. When my teacher says, okay, losers, back of the line, mm-hmm. let's try that again, winners stay on. That's when I literally started realizing, because I, I, I actually got the numbers in my head, but I couldn't get them out of me fast enough. I started having an aversion to like yep. math, didn't like it, and didn't like that it was competitive because it seemed like a, comp- mm-hmm. a competitive sport, the way they did that. And you'd think that that would be fun. And then times tables and anyway. And then I started to slide and never seemingly liked it. So where do we go wrong in teaching math? I mean, we're falling behind in a lot of places in how we teach, I guess, I guess in the world, aren't we, as far as the students learning math in the United States. Is it, is it the students that are struggling? Is it the parents that aren't more involved? Is it the teachers that aren't maybe teaching it appropriately? Where are we losing the interest? Well, you're uh, pretty normal and usual, your right. experience. Good. Uh, a noted colleague in math education, Marilyn Burns, says two-thirds of American adults not only hate mathematics, they're afraid of it. Is it two-thirds? Yeah. But I believe that. That's her quote. Well, yeah. And not even just hate it, but are afraid of it. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I surveyed a class of mine once just to kind of check it out using a a survey about math anxiety or math phobia. And these were folks who were going to be teaching. Yeah. For every three of them, two of them had varying degrees of math phobia. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's right. Well, no, it's interesting of all things to have a phobia or a fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could get that ah, it's just not easy. I don't like it. But to actually have an anxiety about it. But it's not it's not normal to have an anxiety. Yeah, that seems it's weird. It's environmentally induced by instruction. Yeah, how we teach it. I guess yeah. we teach it with anxiety, like we teach it with a competitive edge or with mm-hmm. a I guess we're trying to make it fun. Well, we're uh, mathematics is actually a very meaningful endeavor if we teach it right. Yeah. In fact, you were introducing me and you said, I drove 2,000 miles with my family exactly. and I right. had when tons I that, of thinking, phone. Yeah. There's two mathematical statements. Yeah, exactly. And uh, even though you're sort of being exaggerated when you say tons yeah. of fun, what you're basically saying is we had so much fun, the Let's, measurement unit I've chosen that really means to, big is right. ton. Yeah. You know? We use it all the time, yeah. but I guess it's when someone sits down and says, okay, can you do this equation and can you get it done and get it right by this time uh-huh. and now perform? Dance like a monkey. Well, I, I was teaching a group of teachers today and I want to get them involved with algebra. Yeah. And so um, I had to do a little problem about how many bricks would it take to build a cinder block staircase because uh-huh. a lot of us have cinder block structures. Well, and that's and a, a very practical use yeah, right Yeah, very there. practical. 
Well, as it turns out, uh, that basically turned into a quadratic equation. Oh, see, parabola. When you said that, functions. my heart started racing. Well, these are these are elementary teachers. Yeah. That's not their gig, and their eyes are popping out and their ma- their jaws are dropping because all we started with was this meaningful. Everybody has a patio. Everybody knows what cinder block walls yeah. are. Everybody wants to beautify their yard. So I just hooked them with this little problem, and an hour later, we were building functions, uh, formulas, uh, graphing. It. But it's all about, you know, the context. In which but I guess it. part of this then is, uh, I mean, humans are inherently, I guess, mathematical. I mean, Absolutely. our brain works like that. That's right. It's just we don't necessarily overtly see it, I guess, is the problem. Uh, children bring, using your language, tons of yeah. formal mathematical knowledge and ability to school. The trick is to capitalize on their informal math knowledge and extend it. Fun. And if you do it well, um, it is – it's not only fun, it's engaging. Yeah. It's satisfying. It's challenging. It's meaningful. And, it is, and it's hard. Yeah. And children like grappling with hard things. Otherwise, yeah. the puzzle business would not exist in this right. country. So children view math when it's taught properly as really a fun, meaningful, engaging Well, puzzle. and I, I love – like Skyboy was talking about earlier. I love that there's rules. There's laws. And if you follow the rule or the law or the plan, it'll come out. Right. I love that kind of structure, which is inherently good in building character. I mean, there's a lot of parallels to okay. a lot of other fields. It just yeah. seems like we lose the the joy, the joy of it. Yeah. So, right. so where do we? I guess it is in the instruction, and I guess it's in it's. So, so how do we make it more interesting? What are some ways, some techniques to make? So to make it so we don't lose the interest. I hinted at one just a moment ago. Um, I started with a real-life problem. Well, children are programmed. Children are designed by our creator to think mathematically about the world. And so here's the irony. Traditional instructional approaches and teach that out of children. Hmm. Teach them to ignore their natural sense-making teach them to ignore their informal math knowledge, teach them to ignore the fact that they think about mathematics in real-life contexts all the time. And so the irony of this is eventually we, in traditional math instruction, when we try to bring back the real-lifeness yeah, yeah. to the math through a thing that's actually a swear word to you. In fact, you're probably going to go into convulsions when I say what? it. Ready? I'm scared. Word problem. Ah, oh, I hate word there problems. There you go. There you go. Well, guess what? Ah. Yeah, you do. Why? Everybody does. Well, I guess that's, well, that's our attempt that's to make the it point. practical. Yeah, but the point is um, I can walk into a kindergarten class Yeah, and I can put two times three on the board. They don't get that. Yeah. But if I say, uh, boys and girls, I have two bags of candy and there are three pieces in each bag. How much is that? Every five-year-old in the room will get it. Yeah. And I've done that. Yeah. Why? Because it's not abstract. It's real life. They're programmed to think that way. Yeah. They're designed to think that way. And so they think in real-life context. So one of the tricks is – Embed the mathematics in real life context. Like throw down three bags with mm-hmm. or two bags with three pieces of candy. Right. In it. Yeah, for every which, kid, sees which it, for a five year old is actually deep totally. mathematics. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with the teachers today. So the first idea is embed the mathematics instruction in real life context, and that's what parents could be doing right now. So in the summer, as all these kids are off from mm-hmm. school, parents could just keep finding opportunities to teach the math by yeah. embedding it. Yeah, if you think about reading. You, successful parents don't 
read with the kids because their kids because it's assigned to them. And here's the book. Go read this. Successful parents are natural readers themselves. Their kids see them reading, whether it's the paper or religious literature or what you know, whatever yeah. it is, it doesn't matter. Right. The parents see them reading. Uh, the parents read with their children. Uh, they share their joy of reading. I mean, yeah. you probably have Dr. Seuss books memorized. I do. All I do. Over, exactly. And I have, all I have are grandkids, and I can still <laughs> do a big A, little B, what right. begins with A, right? Yeah. Well, the same – all we have to do is just sort of – we all mathematize the world. So why don't we just talk about it a little bit Yeah. and say, you know, I, 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 I got to go – we're kind of late to church today. Yeah. I can either go this way or this way. Uh, I'm thinking we're going to go this way because there's four fewer traffic lights or something. That's all mathematical. Instead of thinking about it, talk about it. And if you really want to have some fun, get your kids involved and say, which way do you think we should go? We used it all over this trip. I mean, we're doing this many miles. So if we go back to L.A. from Newport Beach, it's going to take us this long. Is this is this event worth? This many miles. All right, you could even ask. Help me figure out how many miles it is if we add this, this, and this together. Right. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Figuring out what we're buying. Figuring mm-hmm. out if we have a deal, if three for one is a good deal. I mean, there's yeah. a, some amazing stuff. But I guess it's just we've put it in another basket, haven't we? Like, that's mm-hmm. the numbers basket. And then there's the real life basket. And it's And it's a basket – that's uh, about four feet thick. Its yeah. walls are four feet Cement, thick yeah. and extends from the floor it's a vault. To, to, the he- to the skies. Yeah. It, yeah, it's not applicable. It's not relevant. And there's another issue too, and that is um, we were taught rules and procedures and algorithms and stuff, but nobody ever told us why they worked. Yeah, right. Right? And I'll bet you sat in class sometimes oh. and thought, why does this mystery yeah. <laughs> he's writing on the board uh, work? Exactly. And you, and knowing you, you may have even asked, mm-hmm. and you may have been you may have been told one of two things. Unless you had a really good teacher, one was, I, uh, it just does. Don't ask me why. Yeah. Or I don't know why it just does. And <laughs> how satisfying is that? Yeah. How satisfying is it to learn something you don't know why it's applicable? That's what we were talking about a right. minute ago. Right. And now we're talking about why does this work? Like why do we invert and multiply? Yeah. Really? No, really? I still don't get that. Yeah. I mean, I know we do it, and I know that's the rule, but come on. You're going to make up that rule? It's like English. You're well, going to pronounce it that way? You, exactly. always pr- you pronounce it the other way everywhere else, except now we're going to pronounce Great. it this way. So I'm in a fifth grade class five years ago helping a teacher, and, we, and, and we're doing some work with division and fractions. And this child, right before the whole class, invents the invert and multiply algorithm. She invents it. Her teacher didn't tell her. Just put she it invented up. it, and she could explain why it works. <laughs> And then after the class, the teacher says, that's kind of interesting because that kid, she's uh, from a different population. Uh-huh. She never says anything in math. She's one of my lowest students, and she's dazzling a class of 33 fifth Fascinating. graders. Fascinating. Yeah, because it's in a meaningful context. We're, we're emphasizing yeah. why it works. And we're also allowing kids to think about it in multiple ways. There isn't one right way. No. I mean, there are more efficient ways. Yeah. And there are ways that are more mathematically sound or, or more um, – standardized or acceptable mm-hmm. or something, but there are multiple ways. We're going to honor those. We're going to honor the way children informally think about mathematics and move them to efficiency, move them to, to understanding, move them to doing, doing things uh, where they can be automatic for them. I can, I can almost imagine a parent out there thinking, great, well, I never did great in math, and maybe I'm handing that down to my kids. Um, so if there's a parent out there that doesn't know all the rules, doesn't know all the laws, of math, uh, they can still teach. 
how they came to the de- how they came to the decision of what they could afford if they have twenty dollars to right. go to the store. That's right. They could fig they could just talk it through, and they don't have to know every equation. That's right. They can just talk it through, and guess what? There's a good chance they don't do it the standard way anyway. Right. No, exactly. You know, they have little tricks that they sort of develop on their. It turned out to be actually very mathematically sound. Yeah. And and actually can be shown and justified to be mathematically sound and indicative of deep mathematical thinking and understanding they didn't even know they had. That's huge. And they own it. And it's it's theirs. See, that's right. so intuitive to them versus going to the book and learning it doesn't seem – Right. It's, not, it's a different language. There's a place for the book. Yeah. But we don't start with the book. We don't start with the rotes and the uh-huh. roteness right. and the memorization. We start with meaningfulness. Love it. Yep. We're talking with Dr. Damon Barr, who is a professor, associate professor of mathematics education in the Department of Teacher Education at Brigham Young University. We're going to come back. He's going to give us a little uh, more insight into what we could be doing as parents, teacher, and children, how to strengthen that relationship so that our kids can start learning mathematics their way. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Reimagining city commuting with origami cars that fold up when parked. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The MIT Media Lab often collaborates on futuristic design projects all over the world. One of their latest ventures is part of a new way of commuting. The concept is a fleet of tiny electric cars that are publicly shared. You walk a block from your door to the car and can drive it to the train station, where it recharges and can be used by someone else. After riding the train, you grab another shared car from the station to your office. And here's where it gets kind of Jetsons-like. To save space, the car folds in half vertically so that you can fit two of them in the space of a Toyota Prius or three of them in the parking space of one SUV. With motors in each wheel that turn 60 degrees, the vehicle can parallel park and turn like a Tetris game piece. It's all about the parking with the cars in constant circulation. The Harico Fold is being built in Spain, and a small fleet is already set to undergo field trials in Europe and America. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The 2013 football season is right around the corner. Touchdown! Get ready for the season with BYU Football Media Day. Now we get back to the football part of it. It all begins at noon Eastern with the state of the program, followed by BYU Radio's continuing coverage throughout the day. A lasting program that is sustainable for a long, long time at the nation's top level. BYU Football Media Day, Wednesday, June 26th at noon Eastern. Here on your home for Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Dr. Damon Barr, who uh, has spent 18 years as an elementary school teacher, 16 years as a university professor. He currently is the Associate Professor of Mathematics Education in the Department of Teacher Education at Brigham Young University. He's authored a bunch of articles and books. He's married, uh, been married 36 years, four children, nine grandchildren, and he's trying to make math 
practical. He wants us to learn how to do this the really the way – more intuitive, I guess, is a better word. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Now yeah. tell us – okay, so parents are out there. What are some things that parents should be doing as they're – you know, some of our kids are, you know, home from school for the summer. What should we be doing as parents to deal with and, and to quit complicating math? To quit complicating it. And what should we be doing with our teachers? What's that relationship supposed to look like? Well, um, I talked about in our last segment about the naturalness yeah. of math. and how Find the all... natural way to uh-huh. approach it. And so uh, as you're working with your children, uh, you don't just depend on the teacher to send home some worksheet yeah. and say, oh, yeah, that's math. Make, make math real for your kids by just thinking aloud with them. And here's a simple example uh, my daughter-in-law was working with our second grader. She's now going to be in fourth grade. And they were doing some simple subtraction kinds of stuff. And then uh, my daughter-in-law says, well, hey, what, what would happen if we turn these numbers upside down? Instead of five subtract three, it was three subtract five. And my, daughter, my granddaughter says, well, I guess you really can't do that. But if you could, it would be, be a number sort of like less than zero. Interesting. <laughs> and then, and then my my daughter in law says, "Well, uh, in the winter time, what happens when you know it's cold it gets really cold?" And the next thing you know, this kid is inventing the system of integers Isn't for herself. I know, but that's and how how one, she owns that the rest of her life. Oh, she'll, she'll never that forget lesson. that. That's and right. oh, by the way, we don't study negative numbers until sixth grade, but. It's not just because this is a bar grandkid that right. she got, got yeah, injured. No, she's gifted. Well, yeah, that's, that's obvious. <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> but it's just because what mommy said, what if? What if? Right. And, it, and to, to my granddaughter, it's just a game. What if is a game. Right. Right? Well, and we, I guess we could just throw an integer you know, discussion out there. Or you could just throw a question out and say, what if? Yeah. And let the kid's brain... Find a way. That's right. And exactly. then just kind of coach them along. Rather than the traditional way, today we're going to talk about a new <laughs> class of numbers called integers. Oh, jeez. These are the additive inverses. Of, you know, <laughs> wah, 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 right. wah. Right. Yeah, now, exactly. All that's important. Yeah, but, but know, there's but a better what, way to get there. Right. And guess what? Not only is it a better way, it's a faster way. Oh, I'm sure. The way we're talking about is instructionally more efficient. Yeah, we get through more curriculum. Kids learn more. They retain more. Mm-hmm. They're more engaged. In a weird way, it's actually more focused on the individuals than it is the applica- the, the the rule. Like in math, it seems like in math class, we've always paid more attention to the rule and the book and what had to be taught today uh-huh. than to the individuals and how I needed to hear it. Right. This class I'm teaching this week to teachers is based on a book I wrote called um, "Teaching Math the Way Children Think." Mm. About that? How about that? Yeah. Can anyone read that? Is that or is that is that kind of a an, a, an educational? It's kind of educational because um, that's a, I mean that's yeah. one of the things you were just saying is this is an international movement. We're right. trying to, and it's not dumbing it down. It's actually it's meeting people where they are. We're finally going to uh-huh. take math to where people are and start there. Guess what? If you do that, you increase the standards. You make it yeah. more rigorous. You make it more challenging. And the children and the young adolescents love it. Oh, I'm sure. They're more engaged. They don't hate it. Yeah. In fact, I, a few months ago, I was taking my BYU students to a classroom, and the teacher said, I got a new student last week. 
And we were doing, we worked one problem for an hour and a half. We worked on one problem yeah. for an hour and a half. At the end of the, of the period, the teacher, the student said, this was really fun. When do we do math? Oh, you know how bad I would have loved it? <laughs> I would have yeah. loved it. I would have loved yeah. it. It's, oh. it's, a, it's a puzzle. It's it fun. Is. Well, and then we can it's approach engaging. each child one-on-one and let's figure out what, what this kid needs. Let's figure out what this mm-hmm. one needs. Let's figure out what this one needs and actually go in, reach to them, find their heart, mm-hmm. start there. That's, that's right. the challenge. Yep. And interestingly enough, that's not that hard. You no, present you, it, yeah. If you present an engaging problem to children, they will come up with six, eight, ten different ways of thinking about yeah. it all based on their experience, the way they think about the world, and then you can use that Mm -hmm. to help them grow mathematically and eventually reach the point where they're doing things that are mathematically sound and rigorous and acceptable to the mathematical world. I love it. This is not dummy math. This is not fuzzy math. This is about rigorous math, but doing, doing it instructionally in a way that really helps children engage. And there's no harm to the, to the children that already easily pick up on it on math. I mean, it would, if you teach them the same way, they're just going to get better at it. They're going to see math more applied in their life more consistently. Well, interestingly enough, not all of the kids who get math quickly are really that great in math. All they are is good rule memorizers. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, so that's it. You get that. Yeah. You talked about it in your. I'm not a good rule memorizer. They're a good rule memorizer, but the truth is, we're finding a lot of children who aren't the quick rule memorizers Mm -hmm. are actually the deep mathematical thinkers. So maybe I've missed my calling. Yeah. I I, I'm here to recruit you, <laughs> you to the world of mathematics education. But, like I, but I, it's funny because I can get – I get the concept behind it before I would ever remember the rule. Well, that's exactly how it should be taught. And so the funny thing is is I can see how it should work and I can see why we would need that. But the rule, I couldn't quote the rule to save my life. But if we, if we build from that first, yeah. you'll learn the rule sooner. Remember oh, sure. it longer. Yeah. Apply it to real life more readily and be more creative mathematically because can, mathematics is be, about being creative. It really is. And it, it really was, is. It's, all of a sudden when you can be creative, you can see – we were at the Getty Museum in, um, in Los Angeles and you can see what creative mathematics can do mm-hmm. with some architecture and with buildings and design. I mean it is fascinating what you can do music is math too i know exactly it's all mathematical i mean the wax museum we went to madame tussaud's wax museum all mathematics first thing they did is measure every part of the person's face absolutely it's It's, all about ratios and proportions yeah and i hate it remember i hate math well as soon as 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 you draw somebody's face out of proportion you know it it's exactly that's that's informal mathematical reasoning see and that could be taught in every now is it is it our system that's broken is it because I learned it math differently than I think my children already are, and so we're getting there. Where do we change it? I guess we change it at your level, teaching teachers to teach differently, right. and we're trying to get parents right. to teach their children that everything mm-hmm. is math. Yeah, that's right. That's it. So we're just working. With, I work with people who wanted to be teachers. I work with existing teachers, so we kind of simultaneously help the system. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disparaging, you know, I was a teacher for 18 years. Yeah, Teachers you are the know. most unselfish that's, people on earth. Well, that's what I think is one of your keys, is that you did teach for 18 years. Oh, yeah. You're not just yeah. being an academic. By the way, I started when I was seven. Man, you're young. I'm young. Yeah, you, that, you were that a, whole 34-year thing. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Do the math. <laughs> do the math. Don't make me do the math. Yeah. Um, so what, what else? What should our relationship be, I guess, it seems like as next year my kid's going to start a new class, the teacher won't have a clue who he is. 
won't have a clue how he needs to learn. I will. Mm-hmm. I've been working with him forever. What's my responsibility t- as a parent with the teacher? Right. Um, say uh, I know a little bit about how my kid learns and you're the professional. Let's let's work together. I'm not here to kind of stick it to you, yeah. make you defensive. You're the one who has the schooling. You know what you're doing. But I know my kid. Let's talk together about ways that we can make his experience the best possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, hardly any teacher would hate that. Every teacher would love that. Well, plus you're involved. You're I mean, involved. Anything, it's anything different than just get it, get him to pass. That's right. Yeah. It's amazing. You would, uh, you would think that it was more like the plague. That, I mean, when, when my kids, certain kids of mine are like, oh, math. It's yeah. like the plague. I know. And it's sad because you're, you're sitting here saying how easy it can be and how natural it is to us if we can just see it. It's like we just don't have the eyes to see it. Right. And yeah. somebody could just point it out and say, do you see this right here? That's an equation. That's math. Mm-hmm. This is math. That angle on that building is math. That's right. Fascinating. Yeah. Here's the math in it. What we got about a minute, minute and a half left. What what would you suggest for parents um, that that really want to start making a difference? I guess the first key you've talked about too earlier is start seeing it everywhere and start pointing it out to your children. Is right. there what else should we be doing as parents um, to help our kids catch it and maybe demystify it, maybe take it out of the plague? area and move it away from like this major plague that everyone's going to die from to something more engaging. Well, I think uh, the thing we said a moment ago is is critical. I mean, there isn't some – in reading, there isn't like a list of 25 things you do. Yeah. It's a few simple things do it. where your kids know you love it, it's important to you, you engage with them in reading. Well, do the same thing in math because you do math all the time. Oh, my heavens. You yeah. do it. And – and you do higher math than you even know. Oh, I bet. Because like I wouldn't know. The whole stats, stats thing you were yeah. talking about no, in the I previous know. segment, that's deep mathematics. I know. Well, I got a doctorate, but I had to go pay people to help me do my stats every time. Yeah. But in, in reality, that's how my mind would think. Well, how about a newspaper? There's statistics. There's statistical lies all, all over the newspaper. Exactly. Or misinterpretations. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello. Point that out. Point it out. Talk about it. Yeah. And, and talk about how... Um, either somebody's ignorant or they're manipulating you using mathematics or it's a political – you know, whatever yeah. it is that's going on, talk about how mathematics is a great tool that's and it can huge. be misused. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. We've been talking with Dr. Damon Barr here from Brigham Young University. He's associate professor of mathematics education in the Department of Teacher Education here at Brigham Young University. So appreciate you. I've, you've changed my mind. I wish I had known this before the trip. Because every time my kids would say, hey, when's the next rest stop? I'd give them just some numbers and make them figure it out. That would have been better. I, I, every time I'd say, an hour. When will we be there? One hour. Finally, they're like, don't listen to Dad. Dad doesn't know numbers because Dad doesn't do math. Dr. Barr, appreciate you. We're, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you parents some more ideas, some tools to make sure summer learning continues with your kids. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. 
On Thinking Aloud, you can hear host Marcus Smith talk with guests about a variety of topics. The subjects can range from superheroes to religion, sometimes even in the same conversation. One of the things that I have learned through studying superheroes and thinking about superheroes is that genuine spirituality is actually harder to do than a certain kind of orthodox religiosity. Join us for Thinking Loud at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. President Obama is sticking up for the NSA. In an interview with PBS, the president said the NSA wiretapping system is transparent. He also held Americans' phone conversations and emails cannot and have not been seized without proper warrants. However, NSA leaker Edward Snowden's location is still a mystery, so much so that he felt comfortable answering questions online through a forum set up by Britain's Guardian newspaper. Snowden says he was compelled to act by what he called a litany of lies from the U.S. government. Arizona's voter registration law was struck down today by the Supreme Court, which ruled the state cannot require people to provide proof of citizenship before being allowed to vote. Opponents to the law claimed it would have discouraged minorities from voting. A potentially dramatic landing ended with little incident at the Newark, New Jersey airport today after a passenger on a flight inbound from Hong Kong claimed there was poison on board. FBI officials arrested the man when the plane landed and no poison was found on the aircraft. Investigators are digging up a field in Michigan in search of the remains of Jimmy Hoffa, a former Teamster boss who has been missing since 1975. Hoffa is believed to have been murdered by members of an organized crime ring. In world news, the Syrian civil war is the main topic of interest so far at the G8 summit. President Obama and Russian leader Vladimir Putin have differing opinions on how to handle the conflict. However, both agree the bloodshed must end. Iranian president-elect Hassan Rouhani held out hope today of better relations between his country, the U.S., and the rest of the world. The moderate cleric also noted he wants to work towards resolving the nation's nuclear disputes. In Turkey, the deputy prime minister warned today armed forces could be called up to help end growing protests which have swept through the nation's cities. This is the first time possible military action has been mentioned as a response to the continued protests. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, friends, to the no longer math-challenged Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Uh, also, I have a new love for math. I didn't realize it was everywhere. You changed man. He converted me. I'm really excited for you. See, I was looking out for you, Matt. Yeah. Well, thank you. I thought, I thought it would mean more. <laughs> to be converted to math. But um, no, it's just still math. But it is interesting how it is everywhere. On my drive home, everywhere with my kids, everywhere was about math. I didn't realize I was figuring it all out. Sky, are we boring you or anything? Because you just gave us the biggest yawn I've ever seen from somebody. This is a very riveting conversation. I'm... And I thought you liked math. Yeah, I love math. Now, when you um, – see, I was a latchkey kid. Do you know what a latchkey kid is? Yes, I was one. I know. You come home and you make your cup of marshmallow and oh, your yeah, bologna right. on the ceiling. So and... when so in the summer, though, my mom would leave and she would leave me with my sisters. And we would just 
create problems. So we decided that maybe it would be smart if we figured out some things to keep our kids learning. And we merit our wonderful producer who's who's mathematical, even though she doesn't like it, and comes from a very talented family, has been doing some research. I did do some research. What did you find, Merit? What do well, we do to keep the learning alive? Sadly, the first thing you you know, you put in like kids learning somewhere, you know, into your search engine, first thing that comes up is like everything bad that can happen. Oh, really? Yeah. Because let's see. I because bet I did people some don't learn. So, for example, kids will um, gain weight at like three times the rate that they normally do, which is bad for really? obesity, health, Because they're those stuck issues. in a house, in a place yeah, to be um, safe. Youth- yeah. Is that a more recent, you think? Yeah, that uh, yeah, happened. Like, that's something that would have happened maybe when, yeah, mm-hmm. like back in the 40s. Back when yeah. they were in a kid. My, <laughs> the 40s, yeah. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> more in the 70s. But, um, yeah, but my, my mom would say, you need to get out of the house. Now the parents are saying, you stay yeah. in the house. But mine would, like, get out of the house. Well, youth crime spikes about, by about 20% in the summers. Does it really? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Math skills, test skills, everything goes back. Yeah. It's just, it's a bad, and then they have to get caught up for the tests in the fall. It's just kind of this bad situation all around. I love, that's why I loved summer. Yeah. Do you remember that day when you were out of school and that first Monday when you didn't have to go back to school and you were like, "Ah." that's the best day. That is the best. It still is the best. It is the best day. (laughs) But then it seems to go down after that. You know what I mean? Then. You start feeling like, Ugh, yeah. Mom's, so, mom's recognizing. So I always noticed my mom was always kind of stressed out. Like, what do I do with my kids in yeah. the summer? And then I uh, got older, and I was a nanny, <laughs> and then I had the same sort of panic. What do you do with the kids yeah. in the summer? Now you earn your money. Yeah, it, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's like all of a sudden they're little children, and they have way more energy because they're not tired out from school. <laughs> so what do you do with them? That's <laughs> where you just go chase ball. Yeah. So I. They've done some research. Let's hear it. So first of all, there are tons of programs that you can do. Um, I volunteered at a summer program for a library through high school. And so we would have this little booth that looked like a castle. And you'd like stamp little kids' books when they got to a certain point. And they'd get little prizes and depending on what pages. And there was even one for moms too. And so they could do it with their kids. Yeah, I took my 15-year-old to that very program, I think. And he was bored. Yeah, yeah, it's not for everyone. Okay, because yeah. the castle was just too small; he couldn't yeah, even fit a little, in it. You know, um, Scholastic Publishing Company yeah. also has their summer reading program that you I've can do online, yeah. and you get points. That's kind of cool, mm-hmm. right? Museums have lots of free events Tons going of on. Stuff. Yeah, that's a cool thing. We did a ton of museums. By the way, recommended by my son. He's like, I want to go to the Getty, and I want to do the Griffiths Observatory. And I looked at him like, Who are you? <laughs> and what did you do to my boy? Isn't that amazing? But it's a good thing. Because he, he wants this. He's craving it. Yeah. Kids I, crave it. I was going to say, I'm that kind of same way where I love to do that kind of stuff. And my family's always like, Would Would you have why? ever been dropped off by your parents, like at the museum, to go do the you know natural history oh, yeah. camp? Yeah, yeah, if my, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did a couple of those kind of things when I was a kid. See, I would have freaked out. But I would have loved it. But yeah. ah, don't drop me off there. Another cool thing is lots of theaters will do discounted yeah. rates for like theater it's usually cl- like a yeah. PTA kind of thing mm-hmm. where you can go watch movies for lower rates. So that's kind of cool. But I was more I did research, the more I came into this idea of unstructured time and how kids 
really, really need unstructured time to learn well and how there's just so much research that yeah, goes into kids. Yeah, you don't want to overwhelm them. Yeah. And I went thinking of, to my childhood, and I remember this one summer where my brother and I went out into the backyard, and we're like, what are we supposed to do now? We have this huge backyard. We didn't really know what to do. It was the start of summer. We had no imagination. And we ended up making bows and arrows. Great. And Until you playing. lose an eye. Yeah. Well, see? <laughs> so we would test, you know, first of all, you like you have yeah. to find the sticks. Like what kind of sticks work best? Obviously, brittle sticks don't work very no. well. We learned that after no. a while. You have to get the right kind of string. So You need a point. You know, You've got to put a point on yeah. your stick. So we, you know, trial and error and trial and error yep. trying to figure out how this would work. And then um, – and then we were like, what are we supposed to do with these? Well, now we want to play Robin Hood, obviously. <laughs> For sure. But I didn't know what Robin Hood – like, we didn't know. So we asked our mom to take us to the library and get us Robin Hood books. Yeah. Then you needed so. tights. <laughs> you <laughs> got to have tights. <laughs> you can't do it without tights. Am I right? Yeah. There's also another summer where I went through every single Harry Potter book and took every spell out of it. Every, I was like Did 10. you really? Yes. I wrote down every to single spell on what see- it does. Oh, really? So you could master the spells? Yes, while I was playing Robin Hood. Wow. It, it all mixed together. You know, now that we that's know what happens the, when you're eight. In the coming apocalypse, we know which of us will survive yeah. with her bow and arrow skills. Well, it explains <laughs> a lot, doesn't it? Why she carries that wand around. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why she has a quiver at her yeah. desk. Now it's I know. Like, what's with the quiver? Anyway, but that would never have happened if I was in See, one of those programs. do kids do this anymore? Because I did that all day long. I learned to get on my roof. I learned how to break in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to jump off our, our tricky bars. I, I learned that a parachute is not a garbage bag. It does not. You can have a big garbage bag, but if you jump off the tricky bars, yeah, I definitely tried there's that. no parachute. It definitely oh, yeah. was, did not yeah. work. Totally. Seriously. Yeah. I learned I learned about aphids, those bugs that are on trees that smell. I learned how to kill them a million different ways. Yeah. Magnifying glass fires. So you learned all these things. I learned but about it wasn't, combustion. Yeah, wasn't in structured time. Yeah. So that's what they're saying. First of all, to turn off technology for a little bit. I am all for technology. I am a major I am too. in film. I love those movies. I love Yeah, they have computer. to maybe a tech-free time. But tech-free time. Schedule it in. Give kids a time to get their brains away from that enough that they can remember that they have an imagination. Because yeah. every kid does. But when they're... It's hard to kind of reawaken it, especially right. when you've been in the school doldrums. And maybe give them a week off. Yeah, definitely. You know, Go give them some time. have fun. Yeah. But an interesting thing, too, is that in summer, you can cater to your child's learning style. Exactly. So, for example, if your kid is just one of those kinesthetic learners who has to be out there running around, touching everything, learning by experimenting, then summer is the perfect time for them to learn. Yeah. So you just – you let them do it. I was I was a reader when I was a kid. So my mom, I would – just read books all day. That's all I ever did in well, the summer. Well, do spells. Well, and Robin Hood. But. <laughs> I practice archery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where she became a world-class archer. And she put <laughs> a spell on the Olympics <laughs> last year. I had kept it secret. But. So your mom would just kind of let you read? Yeah. She did she make read. you like read outside in a fort? Um, I'd make you make I would a do fort. that in my own volition, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and so you can – my mom would give me book suggestions or mm-hmm. she would um, – have me read books that she had read too so that we could discuss them. And that way you can kind of That's evaluate yeah. how your kid is learning. I think you could do the same thing with movies. Have your kid learn how to be an active watcher of film yeah. to be involved in the story and what's going on and making judgments about that. Um, 
Another interesting thing that I read was that summer is the perfect time for kids to learn how to function in a social world. Yes. And to apply what they've learned into the social situation. Camp. For example. Put them in camp. <laughs> camp. My example was lemonade stand, which I, yes. I did cookie stands growing up. Did you really? I did. Did people buy your cookies? Oh, yeah, they bought my cookies. They had to, or else shoot them with a bow and arrow. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Eat my cookies. Or Eat else. my cookies. But you know, that's interesting because that, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine someone in downtown Philadelphia <laughs> wants some cookies. <laughs> I mean, well, I but, grew up in a small town in but, Idaho. Yeah, so. but, that, but that's an interesting idea is um, something. Yeah. There's something out there that yeah. would reach the child. So, for example, my mom, um, she, we, racked up the cost of what, you know, how much did flour cost? How much did butter cost? And she subtracted that from what I made. And so I learned about how, you know, That's income great. and what that actually means. And then I had to learn customer service skills because mm-hmm. I was a really shy little person and I couldn't, I was scary. You, you had to go ask, hey, to, do you want to buy some yeah. cookies? Yeah. So that was a big deal. And so, and then you just can't undervalue the fact that kids' imaginations let them kind of experiment with things that they want to do in real life. One of the articles I read talked about a little girl who was um, playing in a sandbox and she was pretending to um, be hosting a tea party. Mm-hmm. And so that might just seem like fun and cute, but she's also no, learning. Developmentally, you know, she's learning. Yeah, everything. she's learning how to be polite. She's putting on a role uh-huh. that she doesn't she's actually have. So she's playing a role. Or she's entertainer. Or, yeah, yeah, and so there, she's learning these valuable things. And then, did she do the dishes? She probably did, value. you know? That's, you yeah. got to always clean up after the tea party. Yeah. And then um, lastly, my parents were really good about this, but vacations. You can even – you can learn on vacations. Obviously, oh, your son yeah. did. But my parents would have – I know um, they're taking my younger brother and sister to Boston oh, in the autumn. Going. No. Have you been – I have been to Boston. You've been kicked out. But I've been kicked out. You're it's no called I have work family. in school and – I'm an adult, an adult or something. Yeah, it kind of sorry. sucks. But Bye. Yeah. But they're taking them to Boston. And my mom put together this huge reading list for my sister. So she's oh, going to read all cool. about that stuff. Yeah. So when she goes to Paul Revere's house, she's actually going to know who Paul Revere wow, was. That's great. I think this problem of like the summer brain drain, as you call it, um, like I find I still have that problem today, even like as an adult, as an adult. in college, uh, I still find this problem. Like I graduated in April, at the end of April. I'm starting a master's degree. Uh, in September, but in the meantime, I don't have that much to do with my free time. Like right. I don't have the commitments of school and, and active learning. Have you and ever so, tried to make arrows? Oh well, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Is my is archery it, skills? I think it's a great time. Hey, when I was at, when I was at scout camp when I was fourteen, I won the camp archery trophy. <laughs> so I just have an innate talent. Is it that way? No, ten thousand hours lost for me. An eye? <laughs> Wait, uh, well, yes. No, that there was, was there camp. was there was a whole other. Yeah, this is a whole long story. No, uh, but I find that because what I do for school is literature, and yeah. I have to read so much for that that I don't get to read much for fun during the year. And so when the summer rolls around every year, I'm like, oh, now I have time to like sit back and relax and like read books that I wasn't going to get to read for school that I want to. That's so like at the beginning huge. of the summer, I decided I was going to start reading. Um, a book, uh, David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest, which is like one of those books that you're all supposed to read that's like in a thousand page novel, right? Wow. And I got like 70 pages in, and then the, which was great and I enjoyed it, but then this last week all I did was end up reading like Superman comic books because like I didn't <laughs> want to have to like put the brain yeah, power too into much like, energy. Not that that's not a viable art right. form because I think it is, yeah. but you know, there's something like just I don't have to think so yeah. much. I can just sit there and be like, oh, cool, pretty pictures. And I find that I even have that problem as an adult of like during the summer but maybe when I don't have those it. commitments to just like 
Maybe that's what we do is we, you know, we've stopped learning as adults. So our kids don't learn. So we don't even know how to teach them. Like kids are just inherently creative. Like don't put that, don't put that fork in the socket. Don't put it in there. (laughs) Don't put, (laughs) okay, mommy said, don't put it there. But we, we kind of have shut it down. In fact, that's what Dr. Barr was saying too. We even have taught them to quit learning their natural way. Yeah. So maybe the key then for parents is don't just sit there and try to get your kids to learn. Maybe you find a way this summer to pick up your own game. Learn. Yeah, I think that's great Learn. How hard could that be? It's hard. That book I'm never going to read. No. It's 1,100 pages long. Yeah, that right there. I'd rather do all of the potions and which from Harry Potter. From Harry Potter. <laughs> that's that's actually more a bigger page count. It's a, did you um what did that ever get you, Merritt? Okay, as an 8-year-old, no friends. Fame, <laughs> fame. Fame, power, invisibility. <laughs> yeah, invisibility. I was also like the best wizard in the school. Were you really? Yeah. Did totally. they so it works. <laughs> yes, if you're an 8-year-old playing Harry Potter, go through all of the books and get the spells. See, if I saw my kid out there with spells, I'd be like, get inside. Help. We need to send them to therapy <laughs> camp. Send our kids to therapy camp. Oh, man. Okay, well, I've learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you all. You guys, you're interesting people. I've missed you. Not you, Skyboy. Because <laughs> you're still asleep. He was playing the a show. game on his phone during all that, so he doesn't even know what we were <laughs> yeah, talking about. Like, I know. He hasn't read a book since when? Eighth grade. What was your last book? I read a book actually this summer. I went to Hawaii. A couple, oh, that's right. like a few weeks ago, and it's on the plane. What'd you read? Uh, the Perks of Being a Wallflower. It's about 100 pages long. Yeah. That, that was good for me. Are you so, a wallflower? Uh, I, maybe. You're a wallflower. I think I could be a wallflower. That's all right. Yeah. Everyone's, a, everyone's got something. Good stuff, kids. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do our favorite uh, segment, I think, of the day, which is uh, the Internet Asks Matt. We've got a couple of fun questions for you. And stick with us. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio on the Matt Townsend Show. What does a deep space telescope have to do with a football halftime show? We're about to focus on the answer. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. If Earth's astronomers could survive without our atmosphere, they'd just as soon get rid of it altogether. It blurs and distorts faint starlight in chaotic ways. Since we kind of like breathing, we put telescopes up above most of that air, on mountaintops, in high-altitude balloons, or into actual space. Those first two locations still have some distortion to overcome, even from thin air. But a new way of building larger telescope mirrors can correct that distortion, and you've seen a rough sample at a halftime show. We're talking about those stunts where crowds hold up colored square cards to spell out words or form images. A new telescope mirror, called the Multiple Mirror Array, is not one piece of shaped glass, but 169 individual micromirrors, each the width of three human hairs. Working together, they can correct and modify their curvature to counteract the air's distortion and make a much sharper picture. Hanging from a balloon, the MMA will be part of a telescope that hunts for new planets around other stars with a clearer view. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's so different without Robbie, Colonel Robbie Sanders here. Is it, though? Have you noticed? I have. I have a lot more work to do. I know. It's fun to see you all stressed. It's fun. Like, normally, like, kicking back, throwing a rant here and there. Yeah, I just do two things and but then I go But now you're home. just... You're just all stressed. Now I got to be involved and I got to listen and do stuff. It's fun because, in a weird way, you guys almost are, you're now all paying more attention to the show. Almost. Except for Skylar with his phone yeah, game. Except for Skyboy, who's sleepy. <laughs> I was doing math the whole time on my game. I don't believe that. That's all computers are. It's just math. It's just yeah. a bunch of math games. Okay, so we're going to do the Internet Asks Matt. The and Internet d- Asks and Matt Answers. I was okay. trying to do the intro. Yeah, not did like it? Colonel no? Sanders. Did I do it? No. But it was, okay. it was, you tried. I, I gave it a whirl. But you did. You dipped your body the same way he does, <laughs> which is good. I'm animated the way Rob is animated <laughs> yeah. behind the mic. <laughs> All right, here's our first question. Okay. okay. So uh, I like this first sentence on this question. Let's hear it. This, uh, this woman says, my husband Matt and I have been married for a little over a year. Love that. Name. So I saw I was like, it's, no, it's not. No, Matt's it's been not, married for no, a long time. It's not my wife. Unless. <laughs> been married no. just a little over a year. Just a little over a year. Okay. I have a feeling they were dating for a long time before that. Okay. So they've, they've been together for a while. Yeah. Um, she says, the trouble is that he does not have any boundaries in his relationship with his mom. Ugh. She still regularly manipulates, guilts, shames, yells, and controls him. Ugh. Okay. And, and this guy's in his 30s. Yeah. Okay. What's her question? Her question is, with, with a mother-in-law like that, and I like the question that she asked. Yeah. She said, I need help. How can I be um, a better, more supportive partner? That is a cool question. Because she could have said, so how do I get rid of her? How do I cut the cord? How, how do, do I cut the cord? <laughs> how do I get away with, or how can I hide the body? That's usually what people ask. Like, no, yeah. okay, that's not really fixing the problem here. Um, so, but she's asking, how can I be more supportive of my husband's relationship with his wife? As in, well, they're I trying mean, with to his change mother. It. Sorry, that was Freud. So, so they're <laughs> they're trying to change it. They're, okay. like his, they are the husband and the wife uh, are husband, trying to change it. Okay. Trying to change things. Huge. Okay, number one. If they're already trying to change it, they're already they've already kind of crossed the threshold of this is a problem. My mom's a little messed up, and I can't get over it. Um, but and now they're working together, which is part of the part of the key. The minute what happens with this is mom becomes the um, she 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 becomes the third party in the marriage. So and and she starts to play the go between. She starts to get in the way. But it sounds like husband and wife are together. They understand mom's a problem. How can we be more supportive? One thing I would ask her, I would ask her to specifically ask him. I don't want to get too involved. I don't want to push too much. I also don't want to sit back and enable too much. How can I help you be strong enough to deal with your messed up mother? Maybe I wouldn't add the messed up mother part. But how can I help you help yourself? And I'd let him tell her. You know what I mean? Like, you tell me what you need me to do. Yeah, I don't want to sit back and enable it, which we did the very first six months. I don't want to turn into the tyrant that hates your mother either. So what do you want me to do to help you? And, and it might simply be, where do you know you need more strength from me to make this work? And I would get whatever he says, and I would write it down so they know what he said. I'd probably record it, and I would etch it in glass and put it somewhere in the Get, house. You know, the, the mirror in your bathroom, yeah. etch it right in yeah. there. Anytime brushing your teeth, That's it's it. right there. So then all of a sudden, we know what you told me to do. And so when she has to go into him and say, I think you're being a wuss with your mother. 
And I think now's the time. Remember, you asked me to come in and give you some intervention when you were being too much of this, this, and this. I think right now you're being that. So I'm intervening. So here's my idea. And then she can come play hardball, but she can use his own words because that's what he's saying he needed. This is the same thing you would do to help somebody that's trying to overcome an addiction. Eventually, there's times you got to play hardball because we don't want to enable. We also don't want to just turn our head and you know and or uh, be a tyrant about it. So I'd get the information from him, what she should do, what he thinks she should be doing to be more supportive. The other thing is do not – here's the number one rule when you deal with somebody like this. Do not become dysfunctional just because your mother-in-law is. Don't play her game. Play your principles. Live your life out of your values and principles, not out of your mother's game book. Don't become petty because she's petty. Don't become gnarly and ugly because she's gnarly and ugly. You become, you stay principled, you take the high road. Remember that every night you're the one going home with him. Bing! You win. Every night you're the one he's with. And just know too, I would also try to find a little compassion for her because this is probably a woman that has not let him go yet. And uh, she's probably sees you as a threat and if you become evil and horrible and angry, you're only going to be mad at yourself. Boom. Done. Give me another one. All right. Piece of cake. These are easy. No, that's a hard one. In-laws are, you know what? In-laws, stay out of it. Seriously. Let your children go. Would you recommend that people get married and just uh, a band, just change their identity? Darfur. Dar, just disappear into the Congo. <laughs> that sounds bad. Just go somewhere. I don't care where you go. Go away. I wouldn't recommend Darfur, <laughs> yeah. though. Well, but I mean, it's got to be better than some in-law relationships. Uh, it very well Probably. could be. <laughs> but go away. Get, give them space. Give them time. They're going to naturally want to come back because that's where the ease of life is. But let them go. Let them go. What's the next one? All right. This guy. Yes. He said is, he's kind of... He's broken up with this girl. He said they were together for about two and a half years. And things okay. were going good. Yeah. Um, eventually, he had to move away for work. So they tried to hang on to things and doing the long distance relationship right. thing. But as always happens in those cases, it all fell apart. Yeah. Um, they had some time away from each other, and it seems like their situation has brought them back in proximity with each other. Okay. Um, so the the fire's reigniting. That's kind of what he's getting. And so I like okay. I like what his question is. He's like, can I start a new relationship with my old girlfriend? Okay, this is good. By the way, absolutely. Uh, especially because the reason you broke up apparently was because you had moved away. I mean, that was right. If there, well, okay, are, are there it gets reasons? a little – well, it, the long-distance relationship fell apart because she started dating other people. Oh, that's Sorry, a little, little more complicated. Yeah, that's different. Okay. Uh but she was, they were away from each other again, I guess. This is the point. So yeah. his question is, can a long-term relationship – can I reignite the, the flame and the fire with somebody that I've already been broken up with? Absolutely. I've seen, I've seen people divorce and rekindle their marriage and divorce and rekindle. OK? And they also have other problems. But um, – so absolutely, yes. What I would probably do is I'd ask myself, what's different for real? Is this going to stay? Are we going to be able to make it together? I would um, – I would probably – this is going to be probably much more dependent on her because she didn't – he was apparently still in the relationship when it was long-term. As long far distance. as we know, okay. he's, he did everything okay. – I mean this is him telling, so take yeah. it with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like he didn't mess things up quite as much as she, she messed the first so, thing up. I would say yes, there is a great potentiality. There is a possibility in your sphere that you could make that happen. Uh whether it will happen, it's probably going to be – you seem to always be more in than she is. 
Even maybe right now. Uh, after reading the guy's story, it's kind of what it sounds okay, like. So you're more in than she is. And so I, the, where I would take this is I would never risk more than she is. I would never progress the relationship more in your life or in your head or in your world more than she's progressing it. I'd almost let her lead it into that progress because she's probably a pretty good indicator of the bottom of the relationship. He's the indicator of the top. So he's way in. She's kind of in. So the rule is you usually – I would probably let the one that's least interested lead in this scenario if I'm going to go back. I'd make her risk. If she starts risking up to your level – you could amp it up a little bit more than let her risk up to your level, and, and I'd go slow and steady. Wins the race. You're saying it always needs to be a 50-50 no. in terms of effort. In, the se- in this one, I would because there's a reason this imploded the first time, and it's kind of the onus was on her. She blew it. so Or she – it slid. She dropped the ball. She dropped the ball. So she, for some reason, wasn't in. I'd make sure we go back and figure out why she wasn't in and if she's going to get in. And if she's going to get in, I don't, I actually think there's a lot of times in a relationship I'm not going to even choose to follow your lead on it usually. I'm going to choose to just follow my lead on what I want out of this relationship. But if this is one that you're interested in, I would make sure you're bringing her along. Don't get five foot deep and have somebody that's only a foot in. Make sense? Aren't relationships complicated? And that's just, you know, my advice. Just, I'm like, I'm a doctor for crying out loud. And I went to Newport. Just your professional advice. I'm just a professional advice with a doctorate and have done this for years. But do what you want and, you know, you can always pay me later. Uh, This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Thanks for joining us. Good to be back. Uh, Keep listening to us. Remember, we're trying to help you see the good in the world here on BYU Radio. And stick with us. We'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas, tools, solutions, and skills to help you and your family and friends live a smarter life. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.